Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. What is up, y'all? We are back uh, to give you a little pregame. Uh, y'all don't know about the uh, amount of shit that Morgan gives Will on a daily basis. So far, it's been a real blast uh, just watching him go back and forth. Shout out to Will for the for the matching outfit. I appreciate it. I feel like this is done intentionally. Yo, what does your chain say, Morgan? Amish. The commish. Watch out. I'm going to launch this question right here. Uh, take part in this poll. This is what we do. Uh, this is how we gauge the conversation for the folks that are in the room. I think I know pretty much who's going to be on this call, but we're going to talk about objections today from start to finish. We're not just going to focus on uh, prospecting objections. That's one piece of it, but also like middle of the funnel, late funnel, you know, closing calls. Like what? What objections? You know, we got questions for you guys about the objections that you've had. So let's kick things off here and do this right as we get things started. We're here to do live role play. So I'm going to throw out all kinds of scenarios and objections to Will and Morgan, and they're going to tell you how they handle it. Uh, shout out to the two men in the room with me today. Founder and CEO of AMP, Mr. Morgan J. Ingram is back, and Will Padilla, Senior AE over at Grin. Great to have you guys back with me. Yeah, happy to be here. Let's get it. Let's Likewise. Get it. It's going to be a good time. Um, all right, so y'all. You know I do. It's going to be good. No, it's going to be good. We have the best audience in the world. Y'all, uh, your, your objections are crucial for this conversation because we want those. Uh, but throw them in the Q&A. That way they don't get buried in the chat. I'll ask you a lot of questions in the chat, uh, in the, the Q&A. So it'd be better if you throw the objections that you want Will and Morgan to look over and give you answers for how to reply to them, help you handle them, throw them in the Q&A and we'll default to those as we move forward. Uh, okay, stuff that you can do. Go scan this QR code, check us out, sellbetter.xyz, why we do what we're doing, who we do it for, that's you. And while you're there, hop over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. That is a good way to get a lot of highlights from the show. This is some stuff you're going to get today. We're going to identify the root of an objection for sure. Uh, we're going to give you some ways to confidently handle all those things that come your way as you're cold calling, as you're reaching out in the mid funnel to find out what's happening with your deal. And as you're closing, uh, before we get started though, I'm going to put this link in the chat for the best cold call or slash objection handling course that's out in the game right now. This man is cold killing it. Jason Bay's course is available to everybody right now and you can go and get it. This is a course that you can go and watch to get better at objections. Let's take a look a little bit at who's in the room. Look at these FDRAEs. We're handling a lot of objections on those two roles alone, but I'm interested in the senior leadership, 12% senior leadership coming in here. Uh, I'd like to see you guys trickle some of these objection handles down after the show. So that'll be great to see. Uh, all right, let's kick things off. I did a great post about what the best or the most common cold call objection that people get and not interested was the number one that was chosen. So let's start right there. And y'all, in the Q&A, what are the cold call objections that you want these two guys to talk about? That's what I'm looking for right now. Uh, let's start with Will. Will, you call somebody, you answer. I answer, and I'm like, and what's your what's your opener? I'm gonna throw the not interested at you, and you handle it. You ready? Sure. Yeah. So I'll hit you with an opener. Yeah. Hello. Who's this? Hey. What's going on, James? Am I calling at the absolute worst time right now? Uh, listen. I I'm not I'm not, I'm not interested in whatever you've got. Oh, I'm sorry, James. I'm I'm confused. Not interested in what? This this is a sales call, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. The reason why I was reaching out was actually in regards to your influencers I saw on LinkedIn. It seems that you guys are really like posting a lot of great content. But I'm just curious, how are you currently managing your influencers today? Yo, did y'all see how he went from like the objection to like, yeah, 
quick answer and then right into the reason for the call. I really liked how smooth that was. Morgan, let's run it. Not interested. Here we go. Uh, I'm about, I'm about to kick it off. Uh, I pick up the phone. Hello. Hey, James, thanks for taking my call. Hey, look, you know, I'm calling up the blue here. However, do you have a few moments to chat? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in a sales call right now. What makes you say that? I, I get a lot of calls. I don't know. I don't know that I want to take this one. Well, do you at least have 30 seconds to hear me out? I don't know how to respond. These are so short. I'm like, yeah, I want to say, yeah. Like, <laughs> these are so like short, <laughs> quick conversational replies. Uh, that's different. Uh, let me know in the chat. Is this something that you do? Do you try to like draw it out? Do you let people go? Uh, and then let's talk about some of these objections that the audience has put together for us. I like those. Those were good openers. Uh, okay. So this one is good. Uh, this one comes from Barry Katz. He says, silence is an objection. Uh, so Will, let's uh, let's see what happens if I don't answer answer you when you an when you ask me a question on this call. Um, we'll start from the same point. So you asked me if I had if 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 the social media part was the part that I you, that's what you're selling to me, right? You're selling the social media side. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically selling grin. That's all I. That's like what I do on a daily basis. <laughs> so so ask me a question, I won't answer it, and I just want to see what you say after I don't answer. it. Sure. Um, hey, James, how are you guys currently managing your influencers' content? Uh, you know, that's, that's probably a good question that I don't know that I'm comfortable answering. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Uh, the reason why I was asking was actually work with a couple other companies in your space. Uh, some of them you might know of, such as, you know, uh, I can list off XYZ. And they were actually dealing with influencer content manually, doing it on spreadsheets, getting content on like G Driver, Dropbox. And what they found was they're actually missing a lot of content. And the average dollar value behind your content could be $300 or $400. Do you ever find yourself missing influencer content when it actually gets posted? Man, I, you know, the thing is, is that you ask the question at the end of every statement that you make. So it's oh. hard for me to like, not answer the question. And I think that's the part that I'm picking up on all these objection handles from both of you is like, when you end on a question after you make the statement, it's difficult for me not to answer. And that's the natural human tendency. Morgan, what kind of silence have you experienced? How do you overcome the silence when you ask a question and you don't get the response that you want or you get no response at all? Like that dead air there, I kind of expected Will to say something, but he didn't say nothing. <laughs> Yeah, so the there's two things here. I'm curious how other people correlate this as well. And if you're a senior leader in the room, you've probably gotten some cold calls. Number one is something James just said. I'd encourage you all to write this down if you're not doing it. When you do a cold call, you you have to ask a question because you want to be the driver. And this is actually a very, very important point. If you're driving a car. You have to envision that the person you're calling is the passenger. You need to take control of this conversation. What happens is, is when people do cold calls, if they're listening to thousands and hundreds of thousands of them, is people will have a statement and they expect the prospect to be like, yo, that was fire, yo. Like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Like, this isn't, this isn't a rap battle, right? You have to be the driver here and ask a really good question so that they feel compelled to answer you, right? That would then mitigate that silence. Most sellers will say a statement or a value prop and then they'll stop. And then the prospect's like, okay, and guess what? They take the wheel and then they're gonna they're gonna drive you off a cliff, right? Because they're not gonna want to talk to you. 
So that's number one. And number two is how do I do with the silence? The thing is people don't like silence because it, you have to sit with your thoughts. It's uncomfortable. It's the reason why, I mean, if you follow my post, I talk about float tanks. Nobody wants to go in a float tank because you got to sit there in silence by yourself. It's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. So if you were to sit in silence, the person who speaks first loses that battle. But most people don't want to be uncomfortable in silence. So how do I do with silence? I don't say anything. I just sit there in silence with them because I know they're going to be more uncomfortable than me. We already think of ourselves. We're already in an uncomfortable state. We're, we're cold calling people out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> you get more uncomfortable than that. It's already uncomfortable. They're not, used, they're not used to being uncomfortable. So me sitting in silence, I'll, hey, we ch I'll chill all day. I'll go on mute. I'll listen to some music. I'll wait for you. I'm chilling. Like I'll sit in silence all day long. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me. And it shouldn't bother you as sellers either. So how do I deal with silence? We just are just going to sit in silence. Because if I ask you a question, you're going to have to answer it at some point. Now, the thing is, if you don't ask a question, you're sitting in silence. Yeah, that's not going to work. But if I ask a question and we're both sitting in silence, all right, cool. Yeah. Like I've had demos where I'm not getting anything and we're in silence for eight, nine, 10 seconds. And it's like crossing the threshold of this is too long. And so I'll just say, hey, X, Y, Morgan, hey, I'm just curious, am I not showing what's relevant to you? Because I haven't gotten any feedback. I need something from you, man. Like, can you help me out? Is this what you're looking for? Or is there something else in the tool that you're really wanting to see? Because I haven't gotten any feedback from you on this section. This is a good call out for that mid funnel move. Um, and I want to talk, we've got a couple of good ones from the folks here in the Q and A, uh, but let's talk a little bit about this, like uh, let me know in the chat, right? Are you a, a speak first person? Put a one in the chat if you usually speak first in that uncomfortable silence. Put a two in the chat. If you're that person like Morgan, we're just going to sit in silence. <laughs> I, I think I'm a one. I think I tend to talk first. And maybe that's maybe that's something I can change about myself, right? Uh, but I see a lot of twos in here. Some of y'all have gotten really good at being comfortable with the silence. Get <laughs> it. Okay, so this is a good one. I think that comes up really soon in the conversations, especially lately, that people are being very guarded. I'm not the right person, which is like a good way to get out. So, um, Will, if you called me and you were talking about Grin and all the impact that Grin could have, and I was like, you know what, I'm probably the worst person for you to talk to about this because of X, Y, Z. How do you overcome this this objection early in the call when they're like, I'm not your guy? Yeah, I mean, if if they're they're not my guy and they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm the wrong contact, I could still use you and, and get your help. So I'd probably say something along the lines of, well, James, I see that you yourself also post a lot of content. Have you worked with any brands in the past that you've done an influencer partnership? Just curious, because potentially you can actually use Grin as an end user and you might find some value in it. So I'm not here to really sell you on Grin. It sounds like you're not the right person but perhaps you as an end user could find some value from it. So have you worked with any influencer brands in the past? That's a nice contextual question for somebody after they tell you they're not the best person. It feels like you're not trying to sell me on something now. You're trying to say, this is relevant to your, your flow, your business, what you do, because I see that you post. Uh, Morgan, I'm just not the best person for you to speak with on this. How do you respond to that? Yeah, so how many of you all here uh, follow Kevin Dorsey Katie? Let me know in the chat. Um, if you do, um, he's, he's talked about this before and as a good friend, mentor of mine, and I use his bucket approach that he talks about, which is bucketing people based on their priorities and challenges. Yeah. If you don't follow him, I definitely highly encourage you to follow him. If you really want to razz him, send him a voice note. He's not going to like that, but tell him I did it. So <laughs> <laughs> 
he doesn't like voice notes. He hates voice notes. But if you want to mess with him, do it uh, and tell him it's full. So the things he talks about bucketing and what bucketing is, is that everyone in here that is going after a buyer persona, there are challenging parties that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And so essentially, once you know that, you bucket people to then get an understanding of what they actually deal with. So for example, if you call someone, James, like, you know, we talked about and they say, hey, I'm not the right person. I say, hey, okay, yeah, typically when I talk to a VP of marketing, they deal with these three things, X, Y, and Z. And so is that within your real house or is there someone else I need to talk to? Now, now, why do I do it that way? Because I've shown that I actually understand this buyer persona, what they do on a day-to-day, which is all the buyers really want at the end of the day. So get yeah. understanding, you actually know their world. And they may be like, yeah, no, you know what? I deal with number two. Then it's like, okay, well, look, what we do here at AMP, we actually cover number two. Here's how we do it. And now you just went past that objection of I'm not the right person. We just identified you're the right person, right? Without me telling you that you're the right person. But they also could say in certain organizations, that role could do different things. So they could say, hey, you know what? Like, I don't deal with those three things. Sally does. So guess what you just got? You got a referral. So now we run the referral talk track. Hey, great. Okay, I need to go talk to Sally. Uh, can I mention your name in the follow-up? Do I Should I call her? Do I LinkedIn message her? Now I can get the referral to the appropriate person. So yeah. if they say that, great. Either I'm going to find out that they actually are the right person and maybe they didn't understand my value prop because that's also a part of this too, right? So everybody listening in, like, Sometimes they say I'm not the right person because they actually don't know what the heck you just said. It's a nice new way of saying like, yo, I don't know what you just said. So I'm not the right person because I don't know what you're talking about. But by the way, I've been there before and I realized that objection is just like, I don't even know what you just said. Yeah. So sometimes you have to bucket them to be like, nope, this is what we deal with. And then they realize, you know what? That is me. And now we double down. Now you know the priors and challenges. So you can ask layering questions and actually convert that cold call. And if it's not them, then they're going to guide you to the right person. So that's how you deal with that objection. I want you all to notice how deep both of these experts have gone with this person that just told them I'm not the decision maker. I think sometimes we have a tendency to be like, okay, well, thank you for your time. And then we hang up the phone and we move on. But there's so much more that we could do with that person. Just because they're not the decision maker doesn't mean that they can't be helpful to you. Doesn't mean that you can't be helpful to them. That's a two-way road. And that help is sometimes what catalysts for the, for the deal itself. So great stuff right there. Let's move a little bit to the, the mid funnel. And some of y'all are working full cycle. Some of y'all are like SDRs that end up in the middle of the, of the funnel somehow. Like what? I would love to know. Like, yeah, I've, it's such an interesting thing, right? Like there's so much like interesting and a lot of the, the, uh, objections that have been put in the Q and a from the audience here, I feel like are more mid funnel. So let's uh, talk about that. Which one of you did the poll for the mid funnel? We, we like kind of split this up, right? Yeah. What, what was the go-to for you? What was the one that people were saying? Yeah. Oh, the one that was a go-to as I pulled this up was actually people that were saying not interested or they were saying, I like the product, but like reach out to me later. Right. So I found that to be like, I think that's a pretty common one that we're going to see a good day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other one was, uh, this looks great, but we don't have the budget. Uh, looks interesting, but reach out in six months. Kind of what I said there. So the top. Right where this looks great, but we don't have the budget. And then looks interesting, but reach out in six months. So Yenny Herschelman, I think I said your name right. Uh, Yenny has two of them in there that were your top performers. So uh, mid funnel right now, Morgan, you and I are in the funnel and you've dropped price. And my, my immediate response, so you gave me the price. And my response is, I just, I can't swing that on the budget side. It's way more than what I wanted to spend. How do you respond? 
So with MidFunnel, I'm going to give you context that you need to answer this appropriately. Because at this point, you should have some context. So the ones we just did, this is kind of like off rip, like you just got an answer kind of like we did it. But for you all listening in, this is where you need certain contextual information. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to face this objection, right? Because if you didn't do the right discovery, you're going to be like, well, okay, I'll discount at 80%, right? Like, that's just not going to work, right? So we got to like figure out how to do this appropriately. So the, the one of the key things, I learned this from John, and we always ask this question, which, which is, what is your decision criteria? Now, this is really important because if you understand the decision criteria from one to two to three, if someone was like, we don't have the budget for this, the way that I would typically handle this is say, hey, look, like completely understand you don't have the budget here. However, throughout this conversation so far, you've told me that your decision criteria is, you know, whatever those one, two, and three are. And based on what we've talked about, we've, we've acknowledged that we can actually address these three and they are the most important things to you. So then my question would be, hey, look, is there a way we can be creative and flexible uh, with this budget? And, and so what happens typically there when people say, I don't have the budget, you also have to take a deeper understanding and realize they may not have the budget in that department. Can we go get money from another department? Yeah, we can, right? And so that's what we're trying to figure out. How can we be creative and flexible here? Can we go to HR and get some money? We probably can. Can we go to sales and get some money? We probably can. So what I always do is try to figure out what are the top three decision criteria and then how are other departments helping you reach this criteria? Can we go get an extra 5,000 from sales? You may have to do a lecture, lecture selling, but now guess what? You have more stickiness because now I'm dealing with two departments, which means I can bring more value to the organization, right? Uh, I was just about to say that. You can get creative with payment up front. Um, you can get creative with terms, uh, things of that nature, and you can get very creative with these things because to your point, Doug, I was just about to say that, is cash flow is a big thing as well. So, you know, we do that with our clients now and say they want to pay a quarterly payment, they want to pay up front, whatever it is, right? We can figure that out. Budget is something that you can really have a conversation around. But I highly encourage you, if you only are focused on just one department, you're losing money when you could go get other people involved. Yo, flexible and creative. Remember those two words, because those two words are very impactful when budget is the conversation. Uh, Will, anything to add to that? Because I got one for you that I think is mid-funnel that you probably hear a lot. So, and repeat the objection, if you wouldn't mind, James. Yeah. The objection is, you know, Will, thanks for giving me the price. I just, that's way out of budget. It's far more than I wanted to spend. Yeah. I mean, so ultimately, like when I hear that, that's not really an objection. Sometimes that's almost the reality of, of what they have in front of them. And so I put myself in the buyer's seat because I know what it's like to be a buyer when I come to a car dealership or when I come to a software company and I'm helping my team evaluate new software, we have a certain budget that we have to work within. So the first thing I like to ask, like the first thing I like to say is like, you know, if you don't mind me asking here, like it sounds like, again, kind of a similar approach to Morgan. So it sounds like this has been, this could be a really beneficial tool for you. You've listed these top three things where this would help you. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what are we working with numbers wise? Like, what is your budget? Yeah. And based on if they, if they say like, I don't know, I like to always, because oftentimes they'll say like, I don't know, it just seems a bit high. I'll then kind of dig a bit deeper of like high relative to what? Have you seen other software in the space that's lower cost? Well, if you wouldn't mind, if you feel that Grin is the top platform choice for you, setting price aside, I don't want that to be the blocker from getting you going with Grin. So just letting you know, my goal here is to be easy to work with and Likely I can make this a win-win within reason. So 
I don't want price to be the issue here if you feel that Grin is the platform of choice. And that gets deals done so fast because when you when prospects start talking about budget, I'm like, nine times out of 10, I got them. Unless it's they're throwing something out there that I can't do, I'll be upfront with, hey, that's out of bounds. That's not something we can do. But yeah, I like to just put myself in their shoes because I always have a budget when I'm looking at anything. That's good. You know, and, and everybody does have that budget. I like to be a little faster with it when they throw the budget one. What I'll say is it sounds like you guys have a set amount that you're working with. Why don't you tell me about that? And that gives me that same question you said of like, well, what is the budget without me being like, okay, what's your budget? Like straightforward, right? Uh, like the range, what are we doing? Right. What's the range? And and again, where can I be flexible and creative instead of being discounting and, you know, well, thanks a lot for your time. Have a great day. <laughs> you know, you're irrelevant. Uh, I think that, so Dawn Wood, thank you for this comment here, this objection here. And I think this one kind of goes right along with the number one that's been chosen here. We lose more deals to the status quo. And we lose more deals to no urgency at all in getting a deal closed. And Dawn's objection, and I'll throw it to Morgan first. You know, Morgan, this all sounds great, but we already have something similar. Okay. So I'd be like, okay, what do you like about what you currently have? Why, what do you like and not what do you don't like? Because you don't want to put people, this is a, this is a huge psychological trigger. So okay. you if you don't get anything from what we're talking about today, this is something I'd write down because the nuance of what I'm going to tell you will fundamentally change the way that you have conversation. So when I'll give, I'll actually give like a prime example that I literally did like the other day. So, or yeah, yesterday really. So I'm, I'm in Vegas right now for a sales kickoff. And typically people are very rude to the people at the front desk. They're very negative. They complain about stuff and then they ask for things. Well, if you put someone in a negative state and then ask for something, they're not going to do anything for you, right? But if you're like really nice to the person, genuinely, and have a good conversation, et cetera, and then ask for something, then you put them in a more positive state so you could ask for something. So I went to the front desk. We're having a good conversation. She was pretty cool. She gave me some good information. And then she was like, I was like, hey, like, I think like it'd be really cool if I get the top floor. Guess what? She gave me the top floor, right? So what I'm the reason I'm telling you all this is that when you ask someone, what don't you like? They're going to be defensive and they're going to be negative and they're not going to give you the information that you actually want versus like, I'm going to ask them, what do you like about it? Okay, cool. You, you said that you, you're using it. What do you like? So I'm going to get them excited. I'm going to get them in a positive and motivated state. So they're going to be like, yeah, this is what I like. Da, da, da. And then the next thing I'm going to, I'm going to pivot and say, how would you like to see that improved? I already have them in a heightened positive state. So they're going to answer this next question. But asking what is improved is the same thing of asking you what you don't like. Right. And now at this point, now that you're telling me what you want to improve, I will then double down and tell you where we're better at that thing or not. That's, that's another point part, or maybe we're not. And you got to walk away with that and then maybe say, you know what, continue to use that. That's a way harder thing for sellers to do, but that definitely takes time. But if you say, Hey, what do you like about this? Get them excited, get them fired up and hype. Then say, how would you like to see this improved? You will actually have better conversations. Now, if y'all use this or not, it's up to you, but I'm just telling you what works because if you, if you immediately get defensive and say, oh, like, well, why aren't you like, well, they're not going to give you a real answer or they're going to hang up on you or they're going to get very defensive and you're not going to get the answer you want. It's very interesting from a psychological perspective because I think our tendency is to set up for the pitch. And I always talk about the T, right? Like don't put the ball on the T because then they're just waiting, right? They're just waiting. But when you ask how they could improve it, 
And that, you know, it, it's almost as if the, they're forced to answer, you know, what would be nice is if it did this, or you know what, what's missing, right? And it's not that they're saying they don't like it. It's that they're finding the holes that they've found as users. And that's a great way to pull them away and take a look at something that might fill those gaps that they have in their flows. Will, I'm going to pitch it to you the same objection, but it's going to be slightly different, okay? Uh, so you and I have talked, you've shown me the product, we're mid-demo, and my hand goes up and I go, hey, Will, just looking at this, I think I think there's a lot of overlap. I think we have some stuff that already kind of does some of these things. So this might not be a great fit. Yeah, what specific overlap are you referencing to? Uh, well, you know, we're using uh, XYZ Competitor and we've been with them for about six months and they do a lot of this same social media side for us. And so far it's been a good, it's been a good experience. We're in a contract until next year. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. They have some really positive things about them. I've heard they have, you know, a great content library, great influencer search. So yeah, that's, that's a definitely a great platform. Um, out of curiosity, James, like I would probably ask the same situation as Morgan is like, so it's that you mentioned we have a lot of overlap and you told me, you know, the same social media stuff. What specifically do you like about it better? And that puts me on the spot to have to answer that question of what I like. And you're, yeah, I mean, well, like what Morgan did is like the best way to combat that is you don't like if someone's on a competitor, you want to start on a positive note, just as Morgan. I mean, literally what Morgan said, that was like word for word, what I would use. I was trying to like spin it on to give a little bit something different, but you always start with the positive. Every single demo I have, I always say, got it. You're on XYZ competitor. I'm not even worried about contract link. What do you like about it? And then I go into the, what you don't like about it. And before you know it, now you just set yourself up for the entire demo to focus on what they don't like about their current software. Like it's so easy. So I would really not deviate too much from what Morgan did. I have a question here from Nick and I'll pose it to both of you. Cause I think it's a, a relevant point. He says, what do you think about mirroring techniques to get the prospect to elaborate? Not interested, no time, another tech, no budget. I think all of those kind of fit into this, like no budget. What do you mean by that? Or not interested. What aren't you interested in? Like you did at the beginning of the cold call. Right. Uh, but what do you guys think about the mirroring technique? Is that something you use or is it something old school, old hat that's kind of fading away? We'll start with Morgan. Hashtag you're muted. Well, so I don't think the, uh, ideology of mirroring things of that nature are wrong. I think what's old school is if you do what everyone else has already seen on LinkedIn, then you probably are far behind to be fair. Like yeah. being real, if you see it posted a thousand times, you don't think that every other rep is going to do the same thing. So, so what I tell people is when you look at content on LinkedIn or you get advice from things like this, pay it. I'm, 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 cause I'm seeding it a certain way. And we even Will's doing it too, James doing it too. Pay attention to the actual psychological or framework of what we're talking about. The actual tactic itself, yes, you can use it to get familiar in what you're doing, but understand the framework of what's happening here, right? So the mirroring and the framing, all those different things are fantastic ways to think about it. But inside of that, there's a different technique. So everything that we're doing so far is actually mirroring in these things of that nature. It's just, I'm adding a different input that's more for me and something that I will use that is more that's more empowering because it's my voice, it's my tone. And so I would say, definitely study the mechanisms of that but don't get married to the tactic of that thing. Yeah. And everyone starts using it and then you have to find out that new tactic. Get married to the actual system and the process of that thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, fall in love with the process, not the not the result, right? <laughs> You've been saying that since like I can remember. <laughs> yeah, that's like. You- uh, Will, do you use any mirroring techniques, or is it something that you grew out of as you moved forward as a seller when you were handling objections like these? I mean, I think mirroring's good to drilling your your sales uh, acumen. If you're don't if you literally don't know what to say, you can't always fall back on mirroring. But I don't think it's my go-to now because if someone's like, I'm not interested, and you're just like, not interested, what do you mean? Like, okay, that's fine, but that's what everyone else is doing. Like, start to get a little bit more crafty, like not interested. Okay, well, of course you're not interested. You haven't even seen the demo yet. How about we set up a demo, 30, 40 minutes, we go through the platform. You tell me if it's a good fit or not, but based on everything you've said so far, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Like, that's different than saying not interested. What do you mean not interested? That's what everyone else is doing. You got to be different here. You got to yeah. do something different. I, I like it. I had a guy that uh, he was really good at the pattern interrupts. I worked with him for a while and somebody would open with not interested on a cold call and he would go, oh, thank God. I'm so tired of people being interested in my products. And they would all chuckle. It was like a good like disarming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Let's talk a little bit about Close call, closing objections. We've all been in that situation where we think that this is going to go and this objection gets put in front of us and it just completely derails us right at the end. And I think we've all got some horror stories to share around that. But I want to hit this one from Lisa while everybody takes a part of this and throw in the Q&A. What are the objections? Mid-funnel, early funnel, late funnel, throw them in the Q&A. What do you want to hear these guys give you some tips, some strategies to handle those objections, throw them in the Q&A now because we're going to start rattling some of these off. Uh, But these are some good closing ones. This one from Lisa, asking for deep discounts. I think this is a common buying strategy. A lot of people say you'll never know if you can get a discount if you don't ask. I agree with that to a point, but it gets to a point where it becomes an insult to us, right, as sellers. Will, I want to start with you. Uh, In the closing calls, I come at you and I'm like, you know, I could probably do this for, and I th- the number I throw at you is like fifty percent cheap cheaper than than what you usually your ACV. Like, what what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's not realistic. Yeah, like, is that was I, that your answer to people yeah, when yeah, they say yeah, this is what yeah. I can offer you? Yeah, like if someone comes and says like I need fifty percent off, I'm just like, yeah, that's not realistic. I like um, that answer. I have I have flexibility. But what you're asking for is way out of bounds. Is that where you insert terms? Where you're like, I have flexibility in terms. I can't discount you 50%. Is that the sentence to say? No, I mean, I just say like, like if someone, and I've had that said to me so many times, like that's where my instant gut reaction is like, yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah. And then they'll be like, and by me saying like, just look, because they hear it in my voice, like, I don't care. Like you threw out that you want half off the software. I'm saying, no, nah, that's not happening. And they hear the nonchalant, I don't care in my tone. And then you'll hear the prospect scramble like, whoa, hold on, hold on. What What do you mean? What do you mean it can't be done? Like, yeah. can you come up a little? And then they start negotiating against themselves. Yeah. I, I think that's a good pivot point too, when they start negotiating against themselves. Just yesterday, I had someone throw out an offer at me and I was just like, that's not going to work. And their response to that email was, okay, well, I can do this then. And I was like, let's do that. And that made way more sense. I think it's as simple as, and I hate to say this because it sounds very arrogant as a seller, but sometimes you just have to stand your ground when it comes to negotiation. Uh, Same question for Morgan, right? Morgan, your services are amazing. I think you're awesome. 
I'm willing to give you 40% of what your quote was. <laughs> Try not to smack me through the screen. <laughs> well, my, so stand on business, right? I'd say, okay, you mentioned that my services are awesome, yet you want to do a 40%. Make I sure sense. did. I sure do. That's my budget, Morgan. I can't. I just can't. Okay. Based on your budget, is there a way that we could have either one different payment terms so that this can allocate towards your cash flow, or two, I can add on maybe an extra call or a resource for you? Does that sound fair? Oh, okay. Stop right there because I like that you added something. This seems like counterintuitive, right? Because they're already asking us for a discount. So if I add more, am I going to accept this? Are they going to, are they going to push back? Why, why add something? How does that change their concept of like, I'll give you 40% of what your quote was? Well, I mean, so from a services standpoint, like, yes, it's my time, um, as a part of it. So that's a, it's a different than obviously sell them. It is product. different. Service and product, very different. Type in the chat. Are you a service or product? I just want to see what the ratio is. So the service sell is different than the product sell. In terms of the service sell, though, what I would do is, who's all that? Um, Damn, I'm, adding, I'm adding on something because it, it's gonna obviously make it seem more of value. But in but in reality, it might not actually be something that is gonna take too much of my time. So I I'm I'll give another actual recent example. So. This sales kickoff, that's what they that's what they did, right? I was like, here's the price. And they're like, well, we can only do half. And I'm like, okay. So what if I just added an hour catch up call after the sales kickoff? Mm. And they said, Yeah, we can now do that price. That hour of me talking to that team inherently, actually in the long run, is valuable for me because I can get in front of the team again. That potentially can lead into a bigger contract in the long term. But, but it's still value to them because they can now go to their CFL or whatever to their team and say, oh, we're getting him to speak and we're also getting a follow-up call. So there's more value than just the actual speaking. Yeah. So from a services standpoint, I'll always add in that extra call or a playbook that we already have created or a course that we've already created that like it actually to, to us is like a no cost thing at that point. But that's the way that I think about it. I, I, if someone is trying to discount, it's because they probably need more value in something. So I'll just add something else in, right? To them to be like, now the price is more fair. I don't want to cut the price down based on that thing. That extra time allows me to get in front of the client even more for potential long-term value. And then also as well, I can still get the same price. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do at the end of the day. And if we can do payment terms, I'm okay with that as well. As long as the cash flow of the business is fine, then I'm okay with it. But you just got to make sure that's okay with you. I like how both of you throw a lot of options at your prospects before you just agree or turn them away. I think it's easy for us to be offended that somebody reached out and asked me if they could get it at 50% off and we want to like be pissed about it. How dare they, right? <laughs> also, here's an important, here's an important fact is that I'll say this and y'all are going to laugh, but closed mouths don't get fed. All right. Okay. So that, that's why at the end of the day, a lot of people will just ask for discounts on the prospect end because they're like, well, if you know the other thing about this, for I mean, me senior leaders, you can even chime in on this because I've heard this from other people. Like, if you can say, hey, as a senior leader, I could get 40% discounts on services and softwares and go to the CFO, you're, you're gonna be people are gonna like that. Right. So there it doesn't hurt to ask because a lot of reps will just give it away. So again, let's look about the prospect. 
hey, look, I'm gonna ask for forty percent discount. If they don't say anything. I'm gonna look good. Yeah. So you, you like you gotta stand your ground as a rep because people ask and they're but not for that. I'm I'm just being real, y'all. People are not gonna stand on business for the most part. They're gonna ask for the discount and then they'll fold real quick. If you yeah. just say here another example, people are gonna ask to see what you do. If you literally just say what we said and said, hey, you know what? I can't do that. They're like, okay, that's fine. Thought I asked. I want y'all to pay attention to this. Some people say, oh, thought I asked, which means they weren't even serious about it. They weren't standing on business at all. So I'm just, I'm just trying to help y'all. <laughs> They're trying to clown you. People are just like, oh, I thought I asked. Like, yeah, they weren't trying to stand on business at all. So you have to make sure that you challenge that. Yeah. Will, were you going to say something? No, it's like they're trying to clown you. Like, like, <laughs> I mean, like, it, like, I'm some, you know, I'm just, yeah, go ahead, Will, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's like if you're a sales rep and they're like, dude, I, they're literally going to tell their friends, dude, I can't believe the guy just said, yeah, I'll give you the 50% discount. They're going to laugh about you after the call. Like, you're going to have some nerf back. Uh, you know, I think, uh, so I'll put this out there. I think that when you're selling something that could lead to a larger opportunity in the future, there is an opportunity for you to be as flexible as possible with these humans to earn the right for their business in the future. However, if that is not an opportunity, I feel like accepting a 50% discount only diminishes the value of whatever it is that you're selling in the first place. Or worse this has happened to me, right? You say, you guys meet in the middle, maybe it's not a 50%, maybe it's a 30. You're like, all right, here it is. They use your offer to price match against a competitor. Have, you have to figure out before you go down that line of like, are we vendor of choice? Yeah. Anything aside, if we can get this done, can you move forward with this platform today or tomorrow? You want to have all those things in line before you start going down that route, because um, buyers are smart and they could use your offer to go to a competitor and say, "Well, look what so and so got it. Match it." And now you're in a, you're you're in you're in trouble. Uh, getting in trouble is is the thing that we're trying to avoid here with all of these objections. And we've got several more here that I want to throw out there in the Q and A. So let's run through a few uh, and look at the results here for this closing one. Right? The, oh, this is a good one actually. Before we get the ones out of here in the Q and A, let's do this one, Will. And Morgan, uh, let's start with Will on this one. You know, Will, this has been great. We've had three calls, and I think that we'd really love to use your product. Unfortunately, I just wasn't able to get out of my existing contract. Oh, okay. Is is the contract the only problem that's preventing you from moving forward with Grin? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't have two monthly payments for a similar solution on my PNL. No, I, I, I totally get that. Actually, it's, it's actually. It's not common, but I've seen it happen where in situations like this, I can talk to my VP, let them know you're in a contract. You really told me that you love Grin. Anything else aside, you'd move forward. I've seen in the past, in rare cases, some contract buyouts approved. Would that be something you're interested in? Maybe we can get you know three free months to pay on within reason, James, because I want to work with you, but you know I have certain things that I can do and my hands are tied in certain levels, but I want to work with you. So how much, like, would that be something you're interested in? Also, how many months do you have left in that contract? This is good. I like this response because it puts me in a position to where I might be able to use my new solution to get out of a solution I'm either unhappy with or I feel could be better. And I think that's a great option. For the, the deal's getting done. Like every time someone mentions that to me, I grin. 
the deal's getting done. Like it does happen. Then I it, feel like this is something so, that people say. <laughs> so we're, we're we're doing business, James. Like you're signing up. <laughs> I like your certainty right there. You are signing up. This is a done deal. Uh, okay, so this one is actually really good, uh, and I think we might get this one at the end too. Morgan, you know you've you've pitched a great product, great service here. I think that's a really valuable. My trouble is, is that I don't have the hands, the resources to implement any strategies around social media content creation right now. Uh, well, you know, what do I do? I, I don't know what to do with this. I just don't have the capacity. What if I told you that we can provide the capacity for you to get this done? What, like the like the employees? Like you can give me a staff to handle it? No, we can we can handle that. Bro, your shortness is your like brevity is impossible to deny here. I feel like I feel like you're trying to say if I could answer it in less than 10 words, I, I'm gonna do it. Is that the goal here? Okay. Well, okay. I'm I'm curious in the chat if people understand what I'm doing here. You can chime in. But the thing is, is that like there's not much to explain. The thing is, is that like with with buyers, you want to keep things very simple because they're dealing with multiple services and, and different things. And actually me saying a whole lot of things is going to overcomplicate the process. Your pro core problem you just mentioned is capacity. We can handle it. What else is there for me to say? There really isn't much. You said we have capacity problems. Okay, we can do that. that my, I guess my question as a buyer would be, is that included in the price? Oh, okay. Well, I guess it depends what the package would be. But like, yeah, I would say we definitely can handle that. I think to a degree, I'd probably, I actually took a fair point. I'd probably say like, okay, like where do you feel like your most gaps are? right? Like, where do you feel like you need help? You're judging the lift on your end to handle it for them, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think for the most part, probably what you're doing, I was like, yeah, we can handle that. But I probably would look at it and say like, okay, to what, you know, what capacity, right? And then once I understand the capacity, then I would say, okay, this is what it's going to look like for you within this range, things of that nature. And then we would go from there. But I'd say like, we can handle it. And then I say, okay, to what capacity you're looking at? And then once I figure out the capacity, I could be like, okay, this is what the range of typically you're looking at. If you were to decide to do this investment, then this is where we would help you. But if you decided to not do that, this is the this is going to be your cost of inaction. So I sell a lot on that, which is cost of inaction. What do you do if you what are you going to do if you decide not to do this? Well, you probably are still going to do it to a degree. Here's how much you're going to be doing and how much is going to happen if you don't take this step. Like you're going to do it and it may, you know, conflict with other parties you have or whatever. I like this response. It's short. It's easy for me to respond to, but it also puts me on the spot. It, there's a level of like, oh, you can handle it for me. Like I didn't would tell me more about that. And that's, you know, they're discovering more about you and what you can do for them. Uh, Will, I want to give you the moment. Give me a final thought. If you have people thinking about something specific when it comes to dealing with objections coming away from the show, what do you want them thinking about? I mean, the only reason I've been so successful in my software sales career is because I've been able to literally put myself in the buyer's shoes and meet them where they're at. That's gap selling. So if you guys haven't read a book called Gap Selling, get it. It's where every seller should start for a foundation of how to get a deal done. They want to get here. They're here. What's keeping them from getting here? And there's often a middle point where you can discover by asking questions, putting yourself in their shoes. And also what I've done as a seller that's really helped me do well is like, I'll tell them no. I'm a big takeaway method where I'll say, mm, you know what? Based on what you're saying, I don't think we're actually the best fit for you, but I want to still add value to you. 
So I'm going to send you a guidebook. I'm going to send you a resource. I may even point you to a competitor. That's how confident I am that you're going to come back to me when the time is right. So that's my advice to all sellers is like, don't try and be like, I have to overcome this. I have to overcome that. Put yourself in their shoes. Try and meet them in the middle. And if you can't, help them out and point them in a different direction. Got to provide that value anyway. Morgan, last thought, and then we're going to sign off here. Uh, We're going to put everybody, we're going to put Will and Morgan's stuff in the chat. Uh, Morgan's got another link for you uh, for for some other stuff that you want to take advantage of. These two guys are definitely able to help you to become the best well-rounded seller that you can be. So we're dropping that in the chat for you right now. My last, oh, this my last piece of advice, James, essentially is that Yeah, wrap. final thought. Something you want everybody coming away from the show thinking about. Yeah, I would say for everybody listening in is take one thing that we said today and actually do it. That's pretty much what I say at the end of most of these things because it is cool to hear like, oh, that's a good technique, whatever. Like actually do it, right? Uh, based on what we said. And, you know, I saw a couple people say, hey, I'm going to try out that like and how would I like to improve? Set, do these things, right? Like, Will they be uncomfortable in the beginning? Yeah, they will be. I'm going to be honest with you. But after time, you'll feel better about it. So that's my word of or the of advice for people here. Today. Yo, do something about it. That's what they're saying right now. You want to make sure that you take action. We want to thank you guys for coming and spending your afternoon with us. You're going to get a survey after the show. Please tell us what you liked about this show and what we could do more of that's going to help you sell better. Uh, connect with us on social, sellbetter.xyz. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you're tuning into the podcast, thank you so much for listening with us and learning with us today. Uh, Shout out to you guys for sharing your wisdom. And we will see everybody tomorrow when we talk about closing with Maria and AJ. So join us tomorrow live on Sell Better. Have a great day, everybody.